This is the Kratom Science Journal Club with Dr. Jonathan Cachet, neuroscientist and expert in psychopharmacology. In each episode, we discuss an article in a peer-reviewed journal. I'm your host, Brian Gallagher, blog and social media writer for KratomScience.com, your source for all things Kratom. Embarrassingly poor evidence and data, and a failure to consider overall public health. That's what a former Secretary of Health called the FDA's justification for seeking a Kratom ban. We'll look at it through Jane Babin's report called FDA Fails to Follow the Science on Kratom. Had fun at Kratom Panic 2021 for the past few days. Yeah, you know, you're going to have to bring me up to speed on that. I don't know, like, the intricate details of what's been happening recently, but I'm interested to hear. So the FDA released a press release that they seized to something like 37,000 kilos of Kratom uh, from uh, Fort Myers, Florida. You know, they're calling it, like, a new dietary ingredient that's not approved, and they're calling the Kratom itself an adulterant in in a dietary supplement, and they get the U.S. Marshals to go down. Um, And then, uh, I think it was Dr. Woodcock was her name, and Scott Gottlieb on Friday night had coordinated tweets uh, against Kratom and about the seizure, Kind of makes the kind of makes it look like illegal, and it's justified on a 2012 import alert. They started it that year. That uh, import alert for kratom, uh, which gotcha, gotcha. I guess hold, so. Hold on one sec. One yeah. sec. So <clears throat> recently, there was a big seizure that happened down in Florida. Yeah. And then recently, we had a tweet by uh, is Gottlieb current FDA director? No, he is now. He's now on the board of Pfizer. Uh, the current guy's uh-huh. name is uh, Steve Hahn. He was kind of like the interim director after Gottlieb, and I guess uh, I guess uh, Biden Biden didn't appoint anyone. Um, I don't know if he does that, but there is a new HHS. Um, person rachel levine who was from pennsylvania but yeah no gottlieb is on the board of pfizer now and he still uh wants to ban kratom for reasons that might be revealed in this document we're going to look at so that that was all recent and so it okay it continues so what else is going on or are we going back to 2012 well, no, that well, yeah, that's when they first issued the import alert, and at least, I mean, people have told me 2015 they started doing this seizure press release thing. Um, so it, it seemed like there has been like about one a year since 2015. Uh, there wasn't any last year because they were busy with COVID. But um, I looked at a press release from 2016. It is almost word for word, and it's funny. And they do it. It's like a form uh, article because. The, the, there's an opening paragraph, then there's a quote from somebody on the second paragraph, then there's a couple of paragraphs that were exact, pretty much word for word from the 2016 one. So they do this every year, um, and then there's a panic in the Kratom community. Everybody thinks, you know, they're, the cops are going to bust down their door tomorrow and take their Kratom, which is impossible unless you're in one of those illegal states because the local state police don't have the power to come seize your Kratom because it's not 
illegal. There's just that import alert that apparently gives the FDA the power to seize some shipments. Yeah, yeah seized in Florida. Was it a like a large wholesale, you know, a couple kilos or a couple pounds? Or yeah, was it, there um... was there was it was thirty seven thousand kilos. So it was it was probably, you know, a you know, a shipload or, you know, a couple of uh whatever those tractor trailer things that they carry over on, gotcha. uh, on yeah, the sh- yeah. cargo yeah, ships. On the boat. Um, 37,000 kilos. It seems like a lot, but I've heard the uh, supplier that actually, um, I mean, anybody shipping that much in is obviously uh, pretty big in the game. And, and somebody told me he's going to be back at it in like three weeks. So these things essentially mean nothing, and they're mostly like a show business type thing. It makes Kratom seem illegal to the public who's unaware. They're like, oh, they're seizing this stuff. I saw that in my local store. I'm going to go complain. And, you know, it's kind of like tries to turn the public against it to make it by making it seem like an illegal drug. But they have the legal power to do this. They just don't have... I don't think they have the resources um, to seize all the shipments constantly uh, because, like, the U.S. Marshals are carrying out the enforcement. uh, Mm -hmm. I looked them up. There's about 4,000 total U.S. Marshals in the whole country. They have other shit to do. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe they could start doing this on the weekly, but uh, over the past six years at least, the or just six years they've been doing this once a year it's always the same press release there's always a panic so it's interesting i mean i'm I, I, it's interesting we're sort of like you know at that time of year again covid subsided now we need to justify our existence and let's go after kratom again yeah. um, <laughs> i think that most people in the kratom community understand that the fda and other sort of regulatory bottles um, um bodies, bodies are going after Kratom in a way where it's like kind of shady, if not fraudulent, right? Yeah. Um, but this this paper that we are going over today um, about the FDA and their, so what's the title here? FDA fails to follow the science on Kratom. This was written in 2018 mm-hmm. by Jane Babin, who um, I was pleased to see has a PhD in molecular biology. So we got yeah. that covered and also a JD. So, you know, if, if there's, it's, it's hard to get someone more qualified to write something about how regulatory bodies are approaching the science. And, um, and if she happens to hear this, to... if she happens to hear this, uh, come on the show. I've been, I tried to message her, I think on LinkedIn and, and uh, get in touch, but uh, she's probably a busy lady. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, it'd be great if we could have you on for sure. And, yeah. I, and I think, you know, just my quick summary, and then we can go. Yeah. We can follow the the whatever outline that you wanted to. But this this article very clearly lays out like year after year after year repeated instances where falsified data or incomplete data is continually used and not even acknowledged. Like mm-hmm. before I read this, I was like, I knew that the FDA was being shady. I knew that they were using, you know, shoddy data to justify what they were going after. But I thought it was sort of like one time, two times, like to sort of get around to it. But this is like a a well-documented specific history of repeatedly using incomplete, incorrect, or falsified data since 2012. And it just sort of blew my mind seeing that all laid out uh, in one article. 
Yeah, yeah, it's pretty awesome. And, and um, I read it shortly after it came out, which was August 2018, which was ironically... Uh, I mean, I don't know if there is a connection, but it's the same month the uh, Human Health and Human Services Director Brett Giroir sent the letter to the DEA rescinding the HHS ban recommendation on Kratom. That letter was only discovered in, like, I think January of this year that it existed. Wow. Uh, I don't know why he kept it quiet, or the D or the guy that received the DEA letter kept it quiet. Uh, I don't know if it was some kind of political deal with Scott Gottlieb, who was at the time the FDA director. Um, but yeah, so that this came out that same month, um, and he he it's probably because he read this and then did the uh you know rescinded the recommendation for the ban which is also the HHS's current uh stance on it now there's a new director Rachel Levine but um somebody the HHS needs to uh you know recommend to the DEA that uh, kratom should be scheduled first and then they'll there's a process so they can't just make kratom illegal tomorrow and some people don't seem to understand that because it seems like they're panicking and and a lot of people it sucks because a lot of people out there got like some PTSD bad anxiety that's the reason reason they might be uh discovered kratom in the first place so it's kind of shitty to see a panic happen it might serve their purposes or something it's just uh and and given what's in this document it's they're not you know innocently uh uh overlooking information here it's pretty repeated and sustained here i'll just read from uh jane babin's uh article here. Uh, the f- burden is mm-hmm. on the FDA to demonstrate through credible evidence that uncontamin- uncontaminated and unadulterated whole leaf kratom is a dangerous substance, a claim currently made without scientific integrity. So they have to, yeah. they, they have to provide, an, uh, I think, an eight-factor analysis to, to justify that it's a dangerous drug. And so this is a legal process that the but it, but it's clearly their justification, as outlined in this article, is clearly uh, lacking. I think you know. Of course, we can talk about the forty-four deaths yeah. um, that are reported. Um, I, I'd like to talk about their database because I was just uh, browsing it myself. The public dashboard. Yeah. Um, the continued reliance on it. So let's just talk about the database real quick. The database yeah. is the FDA. Adverse Events Reporting System. It's kind of like fears if you're yeah. dyslexic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fears but, or fares. Yeah. Yeah, or fares. Um, yeah, fears so <laughs> this is the public dashboard where essentially FDA employees are supposed to um, you know, work with, they work with pharmaceutical companies and research organizations. They work with poison control centers, um, et cetera, and case studies. And they essentially list in um, you know, any adverse events that are reported on the drugs. Um, and so, the, you know, it's very clearly laid out in her article that um, some of these cases are duplicated. Um, there's poor documentations reporting back to the original study. Um, there's material omissions. So like where they came from, what country they came from. So it's, it's difficult to have a fair review of that information. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also, and I think every, you know, this is probably the one that people in the creative community know about, but like a lot of times they will leave out 
um, what the coroner or medical examiner or other healthcare professionals actually listed or determined was the cause of death, uh, in some ways making it seem uh, like Kratom was the only thing in their system and that the Kratom was deadly. And I, and I think, you know, that's so, so there's plenty to, to jump into there, but you got to remember like the FDA's role is to sort of protect public safety from anything that could be dangerous for public health. And that's what they've been trying to do and repeatedly trying to do with Kratom. Um, and, and this article sort of lays out why it just seems like if they're not doing this intentionally, um, you know, then what are they doing? Because it's very sloppy. It's it's kind of sloppy in a consistent way. Uh, I was just going to go through her bullet points of what they admitted. Omissions of data from source documents, uh, omissions of references to peer, peer source data authored by science and analysts that were reported to the FDA and contradicts the FDA claim that Kratom is directly associated with the deaths. Uh, omission of the cause of deaths conclusion by scientists, medical examiners, healthcare uh, professionals. And uh, I think like one of the first ones they go through is uh, like a duplication um, on, on two of the same deaths, at least that they found. And she said there was probably more uh, duplications included. So when, when you look at the news and you see Kratom caused 91 deaths, this is what we're looking at. We're looking at the first 44. They since upped it to 91 and this is the kind of stuff they're doing here uh so yeah so and it's so there's two things one thing i just found out about what the fda sort of disclaims about this database um but i think we need to just make sure to establish first that they enter this information into the database the fda does and then in the case with kratom they repeatedly refer to this database as the source of information to say that 44 people have died with Kratom or and in our, now it's up. It looks like death cases. I just put in metragenine in the, in the public dashboard. It says 399 cases at this point. Okay. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. Like, I wonder if alcohol is in here. Let's see what alcohol says. Alcohol is 17,000 deaths, which seems to me to be low. Um, yeah, really? <laughs> so they entered into this database and they used the information in this database to make policy recommendations. It started in 2012 with the import alert, then 2014, 2016, public health advisory in 2017. Um, And I like how she um, mentions and describes the fact that the FDA has this huge regulatory network. So they, they work with the DEA, they work with the CDC, they work with National Institutes of Drug Abuse, and they work with local Um, and state um, law enforcement officers. Mm -hmm. And so they enter the information in this database, they use it to justify their policy recommendations. And this article very clearly lays out several sort of problems with the database. Now, Mm -hmm. interestingly, if you go to this FDA website and and go to launch their public dashboard, below the button to get to the the public dashboard, they say, um, while the dashboard offers stakeholders many ways for looking at it, um, we, they say, they're basically disclaiming it. So there's, there's, there are limitations to our data. The FARS contains reports of a particular drug or biologic that does not mean the drug or biologic caused an adverse event. Importantly, the FARS data by themselves are not an indicator of the safety profile of the drug or the biologic. 
Some additional limit, uh, limitations include duplicate and incomplete reports in the system, yeah. existence of reports that did not establish causation, information in reports that has not been verified, rates of occurrence cannot be established with these reports. And so I was sort of shocked to see that. I mean, they're basically acknowledging everything that this woman's writing about and that it's across the board for almost all the drugs they have in there. Yet they repeatedly refer to this dashboard or database as the source of information for why they're making policy recommendations. And I just don't I don't get that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're just paying attention to this one thing. I mean, I can't imagine all the other stuff that didn't have any advocacy efforts and interests behind it that, that uh, you know, the same sort of thing happened with. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just, you know, it's like, I can just imagine if you were to bring this to the FDA and say, look, there's duplicates, it's incomplete, you're, you're doing it, in the, you know, what do they go? Oh, look, we just had interns in for the summer and had them do it. And we tell you right in the front page that you're not supposed to use this data for um, reports. <laughs> and like they would stop there and not admit that they're using the data for policy recommendations. Um, but it just I don't know. It's, it's frustrating sometimes the way these regulators work, where they're really going out of their way to rationalize something in a logical manner that it, it very quickly makes it seem like there's other reasons why you're trying to get X compound prohibited. It's not because it's actually dangerous because you acknowledge that the information you're using to suggest that it's dangerous isn't solid information. Um, so I don't know how we can come to any other conclusion than other than like there's something else going on here. Yeah, yeah. If, if you really wanted to find out about it, you certainly wouldn't include. I mean, we can go through all the I think it would probably mm -hmm. be helpful to go through. But but the one guy got shot. <laughs> right. right, right. And I, actually, Nick Wing from Huff, Huffington Post discovered that. So th that was uh, that was pretty crazy. Um, and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you, like you said, there's duplications. They listed a, uh, at least one or two that were duplicated. And and everybody should read this whole thing, because and especially if you're interested in the Kratom thing, because it really it was the one thing that solidified in my mind that, yeah, this is uh, there's a political push to uh, they're not just uh, innocently trying to protect public health as they claim um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah it, I mean, especially if you're involved in in advocacy at any you know locally statewide in your community you you want to when you go talk to a policymaker and they're like well the fda um is claiming deaths that are associated with kratom you want to be able to point out to them that all of the very specifics in here you want to be knowledgeable to be able to go back and forth because otherwise you know, you're essentially going to get the DC dip and twirl and they're going to make some, you know, illogical claim without any evidence. And, and then you're sort of stuck. So I would I would um, I would echo that. I do think for anybody that's in the Kratom uh, advocacy uh, realm, this is uh, a really important paper for you to understand because you're going to have to use it when you're talking to policymakers. Yeah, yeah. Let's take uh, the uh, Krypton thing. Uh, Krypton, there was nine people who died. In the in that product they were taking, this was in Sweden. Uh, there was kratom, but there was also odesmethyl tramadol, um, mm -hmm. and it, at levels for all of them were toxic enough to kill them alone. For seven of them that they had toxicology for, I think it said the mitragyny was like very low, not even close to anything that would ever be considered toxic, if, even if we know that yet, because it's been pretty hard for scientists to kill rats with uh, my tragedy 
<laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. the O desmethyl tramadol, most people recognize tramadol as a synthetic uh, opiate used for um, prescribed for, for pain management. Um, it's not necessarily, it's sort of a step, it's kind of like codeine and tramadol are about the same level of, um, you know, strength. Then you get to the, the hydrocodone and the, and the oxycodone. Um, but I just wanted to point out, and this, it, this may seem a little nitpicky, um, but it's, it's important. So in the database, they entered the information as suspected product active ingredients, and they replaced the O-decimethyltramadol with just tramadol hydrochloride, what, the one that's actually um, being prescribed. And so <laughs> if you're in the business of making policy recommendations based on the science, um, especially like adverse events between um, drug interactions and contra interactions between different drugs, it's important to know which drug you're actually talking about. And so while it seems nitpicky and it seems like maybe it was that summer intern who just put in tramadol and then clicked the first one in the autocomplete field, um, this stuff has to be, this information has to be accurate if you want to actually make recommendations off of it because it matters. Yeah. And, and so they're looking, they're looking, uh, so Babin's looking at the original reports and comparing it with the uh, FDA database. So in, in, in with this, with the Krypton, she said uh, the original report, number 8083892, submitted by Shearing Plow, states unequivocally on page six, no tramadol in the blood. Um, so, right. yeah, so we're talking about O-desmethyltramadol, which was what probably killed uh, the nine people. Um, but they, why would they replace it with tramadol? Is that is that maybe a, a weaker um, substance? No, I think I think honestly, I think it was someone typing in a, an autocompleted field and selecting the first one. Someone who didn't, someone who was younger and wasn't necessarily um, looking at it. You know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a psychopharmacologist or a pharmacologist who would yeah. want the very specific information. They're correct. I, so I don't know why. You know, they so I like and I like the paragraph right after this. First of all, it's important to note that. This was a contaminated Kratom product with something in it that wasn't Kratom. So Kratom has yeah. not been established as dangerous here. Contaminated products have been established as dangerous, which is something everybody acknowledges and everyone would like to get regulated properly. So, so there, there's that. But then secondly, after that, they go, the failure to recognize scientifically documented cases of these deaths served to materially mislead the CDA and NIDA and the publication and all of the respective uh, alerts um, that allege Kratom caused deaths um, because this information is incorrect. And in these letters to all of these agencies and these policy recommendations, the paragraph right below that says the FARS database was the only source of information from the FDA on many of the alleged Kratom associated deaths. So they acknowledge on the front page of this database that you cannot make causal, causal like associations. And just because something's listed in here doesn't mean that it actually was what caused his death mm -hmm. yet. Very clearly it's the only source of information that they're handing over to say, Hey, Kratom is associated with people dying. And it's not the case. Yeah. And, and even in the, the database, they don't cite the original report, which is just, I mean, I do that on my, blog i mean that's just going to say yeah for sure <laughs> a higher you, uh, like any, any you know a freshman blog. college student has to cite the reporter they're going to get you know 
they're, yeah. they're going to yeah. get points removed on their paper. The other one, uh, and and what's more, they the FDA and the DEA, when they tried to schedule it in 2016, were were using these deaths as an example. Uh, you know, they were they were saying, and then when it, when it goes out in the media, you figure, oh yeah, well these guys know what they're talking about, and you know, a lot of the journalists writing about it don't look into it at all which there's no excuse for it kind of pisses starting to piss me off because <laughs> mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. i know you know I, I know it doesn't take that long to to just look something up at, and at least present another side uh so there was more exclusion of toxic drugs there was a drug uh you force uh called pink which is toxic it it's and she says it's impossible to to determine if this omission was made deliberately to make it more difficult to recognize the duplication report of 1449343 or if the purpose was to remove the reference to the substance deemed to be the primary cause of death to enhance the role of Kratom in the death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she does call it out and says it's highly unlikely that these errors were omissions um, and merely inadvertent typos. And I think, you know, I guess I was just trying to suggest that the tramadol versus the O-decimethyl tramadol was a typo. I think I think she's right, though, when you look at the totality of the errors that have occurred, like repeatedly. It's yeah. not necessarily just one situation, like you've been saying. There was a uh, married couple that took loperamide or lopramide. Uh, the reference to the journal article was obscured by citing authors' first names, Sandra, Mark, and Jennifer, instead of their <laughs> last names in the FAIRS database. That one was funny. Gosh. Yeah, gosh. And you're, you're exactly right to call out to say, like, look, um, uh, a, a freshman at undergrad or even in high school that's writing any sort of biology paper will get a failing grade if they don't properly cite their sources. Yet, somehow, uh, our government's sort of premier body on collecting uh, the scientific data related to certain compounds or, or biological compounds uh, fails this very, like, very low baseline requirement for any sort of uh, data, you know, aggregation. It, it's silly. She was. She, she also said the FDA has an army of scientists, investigators, analysts, lab technicians who are fully capable of conducting a rigorous scientific review of each of the alleged deaths associated with kratom, and they're just not doing that. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's crazy. Oh, there. Okay, so another one was a suicide. A suicide with no kratom association. Uh, it was intentional abuse of acetaminophen, with uh, the report only noting the possible consumption of both alcohol and kratom. Uh, so somebody ate a bottle of Tylenol. Um, yeah, it's a, ate a bottle of Tylenol with booze, which is a, a known sort of uh, um, bad interaction for everyone. I mean, it yeah. makes toxic chemicals for your liver. Um, but so you're saying th- in this particular instance, they didn't run a toxicology screen. They like maybe saw Kratom written on a post-it note when they found this person. And that they're like, well, was, maybe Kratom was in there too. And that's in the list that the FDA is saying Kratom is associated with death. Yeah. Um, and I think it was, it was actually like her husband or something. Um, yeah, I see it. It's on, on page 11. Yeah. This it was just a report. You know, it was oh, a family member said that. Yeah, you're yeah. right. The wife. Intentional dose. Okay, so the uh, here's the next one: a homicide with no kratom association and a deliberate malip- manipulation of the report. So this is uh this is the Nick Wing one. Uh, uh, it was a gunshot wound to the chest. The FDA clearly hid the details on this death and its release of the documentation. 
maybe I'm being a broken record here, but the FDA is supposed to be protecting public health with scientifically based information. And if you go to their website, all you're seeing is like bar graphs and like summary statistics. You can't necessarily dig in to actually view the specifics of the report, which is why I think it probably took a journalist and some sort of Freedom of Information Act request to actually get the documents that the FDA was the primary sources that they were then translating and putting into the database. And the fact that they're like, you know what? Nah, we're, you know, we're not going to give it to you unless you like sue us or pursue an information act request. Like FDA is supposed to work for us, the public in the name of public safety. And the fact that they're withholding information from the public with an interest in public safety is, I mean, it's gotta be, it's gotta, it's gotta be illegal for government bodies to do this. I, you know, and they get away yeah. with it all the time. Um, but it, it's wild. Who are you really serving? Right. Are, are, is it the revolving door with pharma or are you actually trying to protect public health here? Uh, suicide by hanging, was one of their kratom related deaths uh was somebody with a long history of bipolar disorder um uh death from deep vein thrombosis and chronic polysubstance abuse uh death in germany from injuries sustained from a falling window so this is all (laughs) this is all the stuff that's in there it's it's really just on its face it's ridiculous i'm surprised they didn't try harder i guess they thought nobody would really care but uh, they didn't count on uh, people being interested in advocating for Kratom. The fact that they've been working for years, and you've talked about this before, they've been working for years to find a pain reliever that uh, Mm -hmm. is a a, uh, partial opioid agonist, but it doesn't recruit uh, the beta arrestin that causes the respiratory depression and side effects. After more than 10 years, untold hundreds of millions of dollars, granting by FDA of breakthrough status and encouraging results in phase one and two clinical trials, the final phase three of the clinical trial process failed to meet expectations for side effect reduction at higher doses. They were talking about, uh, she was talking about um, drugs like Trevena's olacidurine. So So basically what she's saying is they've been trying to find something uh in drug trials that does this for years and years and now that they right. have something that grows on a bunch of trees in southeast asia uh you know there'd be an incentive to uh, make sure people only have access to it through a very profitable drug <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, that's always it's uh, I forget the I forget where I've said this, but I've I've heard it a a bunch of times in that, like, it's not that they don't want you to use drugs. It's that they want you to use their drugs. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And their drugs won't be bad. I mean, they'll probably have some great uh, drugs that come out of uh, Kratom alkaloids. But I, you know, I think, you know, people should have access to this and it's, and it's clearly they're making shit up to try to show how much more dangerous it is. Not that there isn't any risks for, you know, a lot of people, but it just kind of clearly, this whole thing kind of shows what they're doing. Yeah. You know, and so I was able to dig a little bit deeper and I did find, um, the specific adverse uh, reaction that they're talking about with the metragenine. Um, and it does, it does say cause of death was uh, a gunshot wound. It does include 
metragenine or kratom in the like toxicology or like what was found in the substances of suspected ingredients and reason for use. However, it also includes um, benzodiazepines, uh, alcohol, um, and I think other opiates besides metragenine. It's it's taken a minute for it to load up, but like the point being. You could come to this database, so the FDA or a regulator could come to this database and say, well, they weren't saying that it was the, in this database. It says the cause of death was a gunshot wound um, in this database. They, you know, um, they indicate that there were other compounds that were in the toxicology reports besides the one besides just Kratom. Uh, OK, so it was just uh, a benzodiazepine and then then the metragenine reasons reaction was a gunshot wound and homicide. But the point being is that. It seems like the FDA, in writing these reports and looking at analysis of metragenine or kratom and then making policy recommendations, that they're like, okay, um, well, let's just search the database. And any case that comes that has metragenine in it, we're going to pull. And then we're going to list, you know, we're going to list how many deaths had actually occurred. So it would be like almost comparable to saying like, let's say regulators come to you and they're like, look, we want to know if X compound is dangerous. It would be comparable to you typing in the compound in Google and then dangerous and then pressing results. It's like 1.6 million results, you know, must be <laughs> yeah. real dangerous. It's like, what are you guys doing? You know that this doesn't make sense to just sort of insinuate or explicitly say that the Kratom because the Kratom was in the toxicology report or the family member said that they used Kratom at some point and then a death occurred down the road, you call it Kratom associated deaths, you're misleading. And whether you're, it, it's gotta, it's gotta be intentional. You're intentionally misleading. It's, it's another way you could do it is oxygen associated deaths. Well, anybody that dies on earth is oxygen associated. So what, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, of trying to carbon. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, and, okay. And there was one point that she pointed out where Gottlieb, uh, this is a quote from Gottlieb, overall, overall, many of the cases received could not be fully assessed because of limited information provided. However, one new report of the death was of particular concern, and he indicated he was going to, uh, and this is uh, Babin, uh, Dr. Gottlieb indicated the FDA was continuing to investigate that report but ignores the fact that none of the other death reports uh were being investigated <laughs> so mm -hmm, they they mm -hmm. decided they they were going to investigate one where the guy might have you know it might have been kratom alone <laughs> but they didn't investigate investigate any of the other ones and it's yeah, kind of exactly. hard to assume that they don't know what they're doing or somebody at least uh, that's overseeing whoever's pulling the I mean, it's it's really hard to assume, given the fact that there's tons of trained people within the FDA that and they okay. So the, you go to the FDA and you say, look, you have some uh, mis misinformation in these things. You should probably check out these entries. And like, oh well, yeah, this one. And so they'll give in and they'll say, well, look at one, but they're not going to do a thorough review of all of them, and they're going to continue to keep their position. It, it's it's another sort of political, you know, DC dip and twirl, um, and. It would be one thing. I mean, you couldn't publish a paper in a scientific journal without accurately like going through peer review, which is by peers that are not part of your organization, right? Or not your yeah. buddies. Um, and if they ask for the data, you generally supply that data rather quickly. Um, and in this case, they're just not meeting that standard of like scientific work and, and accuracy. And they are 
maintaining the inaccurate position for almost a decade now. And they continue. And just most recently, like the past couple of weeks, they are using these import policy documents based on information that they have been made aware several times is inaccurate and have not fixed. Um, so what, what's the deal here? Like, what's the, what's the bone to pick and why are we continuing to do this? And they also use those, uh, um, nine Swedish deaths with, uh, the Krypton as a justification for the initial import, import alert. In import alert, they, she calls them deceptive. I, I would agree if not fraudulent, right? Yeah. There has to be rules on the book about, uh, government bodies, like, using fraudulent information to push policy decisions. Um, but they're basing it on their sole source is primarily this database that we've been talking about at the time. And they include sentence like this, included the justification that quote, scientific literature disclosed serious concerns regarding the toxicity of Kratom in multiple organ systems. So they, they're, they're, they're putting on blinders they're using the Google results that anytime Kratom appears in the database, that must be a Kratom-associated death or adverse reaction. Um, and then stating very clearly, you know, that sentence needs to be qualified. It does not disclose serious concerns regarding the toxicity of Kratom in multiple organs. I, I, you need to say, although there were several other active compounds or on the whole, you know, 90% of deaths that ended up reporting were poly drug users that we cannot clearly link to Kratom specifically. And they don't do that. Yeah. And, and another, another point to add is a lot of these uh, medical, ex these deaths should be investigated further by beyond just the coroner and medical examiner finding my tragedy in their system. Because a lot of these medical examiners and coroners, depending on the state, don't necessarily have uh, a lot of training for one thing. Yeah, that's, that's why I brought up the specific uh, record in that database, because cause of death is clearly listed as gunshot. But yeah, if they're not they're not stating that they're not qualifying their statements. They're saying this person died. Kratom was in their system. Therefore it must be Kratom. And if, if it's not, therefore they're implicitly implying uh, that it is. And so it's just, um, it's misleading. It's deceptive for sure. Yeah. And, and I'm looking at uh, Carl Hart's new book and I, I was just in, on the medical examiner uh, thing with the qualifications. His appendix is uh, death investigation systems by state and he has qualifications uh, like, for example, Colorado to be a coroner, you're, you get elected for a four year term and the qualification is complete a basic coroner course. <laughs> Wow. And it's elected uh, political appointee without necessarily any scientific qualifications. Yeah. Um, Depending crazy. on crazy. Yeah. Alabama, you got 12 hours of training you're elected. Um, some, some States it's good. It's like you're appointed. You have to be a board certified forensic pathologist, but I like, I could be a coroner in Alabama, I think. <laughs> yeah. It's not like the government has a problem like um, requiring different uh, academic or educational qualifications for any position. I mean, uh, to run a cannabis lab in Ohio, you have to have a PhD in like chemical or biological sciences. Right. So it's not yeah. like it's not like they're like, oh, well, we can't do that. We can't prescribe that. Yes, you can. You do it in other other places and you don't now. Um 
Yeah, so, I mean, so it, even to just cite that this medical examiner determined that uh, there was mitragynine in the blood and therefore caused death is not, it's not enough investigation. In fact, in Colorado, a few years ago, there was like 15 Kratom-associated deaths, quote-unquote, and they actually did an investigation, and, and then uh, 14 of those deaths, they said that they had poly substances, uh, and I think mm-hmm. most of them were fentanyl, and the only, and the other one, they couldn't uh they uh didn't have access to the blood sample so once once you know people look more closely at this they're not really finding evidence that uh you know kratom can kill anybody i mean i think there are there would be toxic levels of the extract and well and tox toxic doesn't mean death yeah like so you can you could take a toxic level of like coca-cola depending on how you define toxic like it it can put a a strain on your biological system yeah whether or not that causes death i mean i think we know and and like we we mentioned earlier with the beta arrest and you know opiate overdoses cause breathing and that's why they die kratom does not affect the respiratory system and its active compounds do not affect the respiratory system in a way similar uh to the, the classical opiates that are prescribed and it's just um just because something binds at a receptor doesn't mean outright it uh, is the exact same type of, of information. And the FDA knows this. Um, yeah. So away from the science, so real quick, I did one of the one of the um, interesting twists, and this is sort of towards the bottom. It's on page seventeen, and they're sort of concluding about you know they're wrapping things up a little bit, but. The FDA puts bad information in their database. They use this bad information to suggest that there are kratom-associated deaths. And now they have the regulatory authority to impose this import alert. And when they did the import alert, they obfuscated their duty of demonstrating safety and shifted the burden to the importer. So FDA found this term in their database and maybe it's associated with death and FDA is supposed to be evaluating science and, and making policy recommendations for public health. They were like, well, we sort of see this. So now you have to prove that it's safe, not us. You do. And it's just uh, it's it's why I think people can can get so frustrated with politics and regulatory bottles, bodies that you just, yeah. you know, you want to bang your head against the wall because they're just it's hard to understand the motivation behind something like this without, you know, that, that at least on paper, the mission statement of the FDA, if, if that's what they were actually trying to do, then, then why are they continuing to, to demonize and push for this ban? Oh yeah. I mean, and it just sucks when they do stuff like this because the FDA is necessary. I mean, drugs that are prescribed should go through an approval process. And so when they kind of when they do something, you know, necessary like the vaccine, people tend not to trust them if they're crying wolf on these other other kinds of things and it just definitely doesn't help public health to uh pull this kind of stuff. It's not it's not uh, it's not mentally healthy and it, it, they're creating a panic every time they they do this uh pr- press release and these tweets and and uh but uh, did you see Brett Groar, uh the guy that um he retweeted Gottlieb and he said uh yeah you guys had terrible science and that's why I rescinded a ban and uh the FDA doesn't have the power to schedule drugs and then Gottlieb went back at him and he's like you uh you uh 
messed up a years-long investigation into it. Uh, I, I sh- maybe I should read the actual tweet, but... <laughs> So Gottlieb characterizes it as this as this years long scientific investigation that uh, the HHS ruined by rescinding their recommendation, and this is what we're looking at. This is their big scientific investigation, sloppily entering information into their database, and then yeah, and you know I think it's important to 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 recognize like. There's the there's these import warnings. There's all of these sort of policy things that aren't necessarily actually law. But it, the FDA has is and is continuing to recommend to the DEA that kratom become a Schedule One controlled substance. And and you know that's very real. If that happens, yeah. it's going to be um, very bad for a lot of people who uh, have moved on, have moved on to kratom um, to get off more dangerous things or are using it in a safe way. Um, and I think that's sort of what motivates a, a lot of us, but like, I guess it's just important to say like, you know, okay, there's these import warnings, there's these policy recommendations, um, but they're, they are actually continuing to schedule it as schedule one. And if they do that, the, the whole, the whole industry is just going to sort of fall apart. And, um, yeah, the notion that Scott would say, well, this was a years long investigation that was done with this most scientific rigor, like literally it seems like someone just typed a search term in your database and then printed every report, you know, exported it to Excel and then did count number, like to count number of, uh, you know, rows that include death. And then we're going to yeah. use that number. Yeah. Oh, here's a tweet. We are prevented by HHS from moving forward with the scheduling of Kratom. And I'm convinced it's fueling the opioid addiction crisis. This is what he says. <laughs> fueling. It's crazy. Uh, and, and, yeah, uh, that's that's that was his big tweet. They put this out on Friday night. Giroir, who was the HHS head who rescinded the recommendation to the DEA, said FDA doesn't schedule and only recommends. FDA's recommendation was rejected because of embarrassingly poor evidence and data and a f- failure to consider overall public health. If Kratom is fueling the opioid addiction, prove it. <laughs> So that yeah, was cool. right. Do what they did, for, but make them do their actual job. And, you know, thank God for these other regulatory bodies that are involved in these recommendations to actually make like, you know, you're you, I just was real stoked to hear that when HSS, they came back and said, look, this information is horrible. We're not going to ban it. You know, it's almost like that should be the case all the time, but it's almost a rarity, especially when you're talking about drug law and drug prohibition, that that happens. And, yeah. and thank God for those people who are actually trying to do their job in a, an objective way. And I, I think you probably see like the people that are doing that are like not political appointees, are have been in the FDA over a number of administrations um, and aren't essentially looking for a red carpet into, you know, the board of pharmaceutical companies yeah. um, when they're done. Um, it's just uh, it's 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 sickening how sort of corrupted almost all of, you know, all of our regulatory bodies have been captured by the industry they're supposed to regulate. And absolutely. Yeah. When is it going to get fixed? <laughs> Yeah, uh, he, here's here's his tweet. He called it a considered multi-year scientific effort. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and his background is it, he does have a health background. He has an MD, but it, uh, he also uh, majored in like venture capitalism or something like that. So, yeah, he had his career path charted out for him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but. fueling the opiate crisis. Like, talk about <laughs> drug hysteria and, and just sort of prohibition. Like, um, you know, I don't even know how popular Kratom was when in 2004, you know, in 2003, when sort of Oxycontin hits the market and people are dropping like flies. And so if Kratom was fueling the opiate crisis, then we should continue to see rapidly increasing overdose deaths uh, with opiate-like compounds. But we're not. And it's been coming down because there have been so much limitations placed on medical doctors on how they can even prescribe the legal opiates. And so, you know, I'm sure anybody that, that had had a prescription for these things like understands what the doctors go through, what the patients go through, the sort of shame associated with the whole thing. Um, But that did bring the deaths and overdose deaths down. Yet they're still trying to say that the opiate crisis is being fueled by, by, you know, something that is essentially the off ramp. Um, It's, it's, it's tragic. And it, it just, but it's, it's, it's just not surprising. And I wish it wasn't that way. Yeah. And I mean, if it becomes an illegal illegal substance and uh then you know it's wide open for uh more adulteration that we have seen i mean because you hear about people taking snorting cocaine laced with fentanyl and it's not good for the public health to outlaw substances it's good to regulate them and it's not good for public health to lie or mislead people on what is dangerous and what actually isn't dangerous like we always talk about that in relative to cannabis um Opiates are addictive and dangerous and can kill you. Alcohol is dangerous and can kill you and withdrawal from alcohol can kill you. Um, You know, if you want effective drug policy and we actually want to protect public health, being honest about what isn't and what is dangerous is critical to that mission. Thank you, Dr. John Cachet. Check him out on social media at jcachet. And please read this document. We'll have a link to the PDF file in the description. It's Jane Babin's FDA Fails to Follow the Science on Kratom. The music is Captain Big Wheel. The Kratom Science Journal Club is produced by me, Brian Gallagher, for KratomScience.com. Take care.